What's up, guys? Welcome to the Care Coach Lead Show. We got Austin Bedigrew, Melissa Dixon, and myself, Andrew Frezza, and we're going to be talking about the one thing that will keep you from getting hired at FitTown. And this is not just about us. This is about hiring in general. So this is hopefully going to give you guys that are on the gym owner, general manager, head coach hiring side some really good insight. And then if you are a coach, I think it's going to be extremely valuable for you if you're looking to uh, get hired at your dream position or uh, eventually find that dream job like how do you, when that opportunity arises how do you best put yourself in position to take advantage of that opportunity and for us we have a pretty thorough hiring process the last step in that hiring process is you're going to come to our gym if you're coming from out of state you're going to come and stay with us for two to four days and you're going to experience the gym you're going to help run classes you're going to be here all day, every day for those days that you're here. And we've had a lot of people that have made that step at our gym. They've made it through the different stages of our hiring process. We've you know, flown in, they've paid some travel expenses to come in and we chose not to hire them. There's been, I think six or seven of them now over the last few years. So we were kind of reflecting on like, what keeps these people from being hired at our gym? Why, why didn't those people work out? Even though like we're, we're only bringing them in if we're 90% plus sure we're going to hire them. And then that 10% just happened to show up and say, nope, this isn't a fit. So we want to talk about that one main thing. We're going to bring in some other ideas too. Um, but I'll, I'll kick it off with what that thing is. And, and it's really generally not seeing that person be about other people. And there's a lot of reasons this could be happening. Um, but generally this person is not actively seeking out relationships with other people at the gym, other members of the gym, other coaches at the gym, and they're kind of putting themselves in a bubble even though they're here to connect and make relationships and, and show that that's what they can do. Yeah, I think the, the factor in that that I'm always looking for, you know, if we, if we get to the point where we let them coach a class, you know, they're going around and they're they're interacting with people. Usually they're co-coaching with us. We're leading it so they can kind of take the relationship role. And we follow up after class and we say like, hey, how do you think it went? And they're giving us feedback on our coaching or they're talking about themselves. The thing that is the big red flag for me in that is when they're saying like, I, 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 or, you know, I did this or I talked to this person and it feels like they're they're talking about themselves more than they're talking about that person you know they're not saying like oh patty was there and, and she was having a really good time i can't believe how cool she is and she's you know she's 68 or and she's got these many kids and this xyz and talking about people and and saying their name and saying who they are or what they learned about someone it's more that conversation of like oh, I fixed her deadlift. I noticed she wasn't doing this, so I did that. And if you've made it here, we already know that you have a certain level of expertise. We have a trust that you are qualified to be here. We're not looking for how well you can be a technician and a technical coach. We're really looking for you to be able to fit the bill. Our members are our number one priority, and if they don't like you, then we can't like you more than they like you. You know, like we, we can't sell you to them. You have to sell you to them. So I hear that a lot from people of just like, you know, oh, I did this or I did that. And it's not like, um, okay, I met Jim and I met this person and they told me about their wife and I didn't know that he was like a, a golfer and we talked about golfing and 
you know, it's, it's more about me and I. And very simply just getting names. Like if we, we purposefully, especially the first, if someone's here a while, they'll probably help coach two to three classes. The first class that they help coach, we really let them like take all the director workload off of them. We're going to brief the workout. We're going to run logistics. All you really got to do is meet people, get to know them. When you see low hanging fruit in terms of technical coaching, make those technical corrections, but it's all about relationships and names. And if we check in with that person and they literally miss relationships and names, then it's like, okay, what happened? Yeah. And it's, it starts off like, you know, is that first class, are they just overwhelmed? Are they nervous? And it's like, you know, okay, we can give them a little bit of slack, but this, it tends to be the same people that are repetitive in it. And it's like, that first one I think is the easiest, right? You have no real duty except just go talk to people. And we're very open about that. Like we literally give them the answers <laughs> to the test. Like go get as many names as you can, go learn as much as you can about whoever is in the class. And if you come back and you don't have the test filled out, like that's not good. It's not that it's over at that point, but then you step into a class role, you've heard feedback from us. We're telling you like, this is the thing. And you still, like that's still the missing piece. Like mm-hmm. we can just see what's gonna happen in the future. Like maybe you'll start remembering names just because you've seen the name on whatever Zen Planner or Wattify, you've seen it multiple times, but you obviously don't care about the people. Yeah. Like you're just gonna know the names just because of, you know, you've just seen it in your memory for so many times. But um, it, it's a pretty easy like, okay, like this is about as far as it's gonna be. So it's a pretty surface level relationship. And um, yeah, we can, I feel like we can sniff that out pretty fast. Yeah, I think we're very explicit when it comes to classes. Where we let that person kind of go off on their own is really the time between classes. Like yeah. we purposely, purposely will have them here most of the day. They might do a cleaning project. They might sit in on a programming meeting. But in these gaps of the schedule where like if I'm, if I'm leading them through this, I might have something that I just have to do, a phone call. And it's like, all right, they have an hour where they're just going to be like sitting around the gym, hanging out. And like, how do they interact with people in those downtimes? Are they, you know, if someone gets there early for class, will they go sit next to them and get to know them? Or will they wait for someone else to go first and make that first move? That's what I was going to say is that two word phrase that's inside of our core value is go first. And I think that's oftentimes the thing that we're trying to sniff out or trying to look for is, do they have that inner confidence or that ability to be the person who... I know I'm the sore thumb. I'm the odd man out. I have this beautiful opportunity where no one knows me. So I get to ask, hey, what's your name? You know, like taking advantage of that instead of shying away and feeling like they are the odd person out and making that a negative. It's so easy in that first interaction to be like, I know no one knows me. So let me introduce Mm -hmm. myself and integrate myself and getting over the hump of that feeling intimidated because if they can't go first in that environment, we're always kind of protecting our membership from clickiness. You know, we never want it to feel clicky. We always want it to feel welcoming and accepting. And a big part of that is our coaches being the leaders in that. And if there's someone in the corner who we've never seen before, just because they come to PM and we mostly coach AM, we're going first. We're saying, hey, my name's Coach Melissa. Like, you normally come to a different class time or are you dropping in? Like, it's unusual for us not to know someone before we coach them. And if they don't have the ability to go first when it's the most natural time for them to be not knowing anyone, 
it's going to be something they perpetuate likely in the future in those interactions as well and kind of like clam yeah. up in those situations. So there, There's an ease of knowing that you don't know anybody. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's new, great. This is easy. I can step up to every single person and introduce myself. Yeah, it's probably more awkward for me to stay unknown than it is for me to go and reach out to all these people and say like, hey, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm interviewing here, I'm just coaching and they're letting me shadow along and I'm pretty excited to meet you, what's going on? Yeah, and um, I wanna to touch on a couple of things with that. One is, someone, a gym owner brought this up to me the other day, I forget who, but they were saying that they had heard Stu from WTF Gym Talk talk about shadowing's not important because if you just, you know, based on a conversation, based on a credential, um, and, and just seeing a personality fit, you should know like it's worth hiring that person, developing them, developing them, or it shouldn't be. And we see a lot in shadowing, which is this really key component, which is like, yeah, I might like a person, I might have a good interaction with them, but that's just me and them. They they might have been able to learn about me in the podcast. We might have already been able to build up a rapport. How do they do when they have to build two hundred or four hundred of those relationships? and they have to be the one to go first. And yeah, I think you can only see that via shadowing. Yeah, and I was gonna say, I think shadowing a class is important because what I've noticed a lot is if, if a coach is flying in from who knows to visit us, they seem 10 times more comfortable with our staff, at least yeah. in my opinion, and they're really good at almost like faking stuff or to like make themselves look good to our staff. When, when I'm sitting on the sidelines, I don't care. Like I want them to get along, but like, like if you can't do that to our members, then it's it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter how much our coaches like you if the members are like that person was really weird. And we've gotten we've gotten that feedback like multiple yeah. times from some of the people that have come here. Like that was a really awkward class. Like he didn't say anything to me. Like so I, I just I just think there needs. Although I do want our staff to like whoever comes in, and that's very important too. I don't think a coach should come in being like, I'm going to impress the owners, I'm going to impress the, the coaches, and like that's their goal. Their goal should be, I'm going to impress the members, and that will, in turn, impress the coaches and the owners. That's a gr great point. Like, I'm not the one that hires. It is, like, I think the, I see it as the coaches hire, and you're yeah. dead right that coaches hire based on the member perception. Yeah. yeah, it's, we definitely have, like, our core you know, go-to members who are going to give us feedback when there are new people. You know, there's like anchor people in every class who, you know, we can go to and say like, hey, you know, Austin's, you know, shadowing me today. Like, did he make an impression? Like, what did you think? And I would trust their opinion of, of how they made them feel or like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, he seemed fine. Okay, well, fine is, uh, <laughs> fine is just fine. Like, we're looking for that answer from a member that's like, like, oh man, like he seems like so much fun, you know, like we yeah. want that person to help make it easy for our members to show up again tomorrow, especially those like six, seven, eight year long members that we have who change is going to be a little bit hard for them too. So it's got to be a hell yeah from them as well of like, wow, this person fits here because they love what's going on already. And we don't want to spoil that for long-term members too. And I do think unsolicited feedback is good and bad. Like if if they come to you and they're like man that was really bad it must have been really <laughs> bad and if they come to you and like wow josh or whoever i'm gonna say josh because he's our latest and he yeah. did get these mm -hmm. they're like wow josh is really nice like josh you know was a great coach like yeah wow he must have done something really special in that his first 60 minutes that he's ever known these people for them to you know feel like they need to come tell me that um so i, I do take i think, I think josh is a great example i mean people listening to this 
may or may not know Josh, likely don't know Josh, but like Josh is a is a games athlete. He was a gym owner and he has a lot of experience in this. So I think it's really important to know what type of feedback you're getting and how does that relate to the what you already know about that person. Yeah. So if, if all the pieces of feedback we got about Josh were like, oh my God, he was so good. He gave me these great cues and like, you know, my, my movement really clicked. Like, I think that's valuable. I think that's cool. But the, that's not the question I have in my mind when we get someone like Josh that's applying to our team. Like, if he's at that level, a games athlete, he's probably studied the technical side. He probably understands the programming side. I want to know how he connects with people. And when we get that feedback that really is like, oh, yeah, you know, the competitive athlete's like, yeah, it was so, I had such a great conversation with them. Then the, you know, a female client, all ages are all saying the same thing. Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed that interaction. He's so nice. Like, yeah, we, we talked about X, Y, and Z. That part is really cool. So you have to have some awareness around like, what is, what is it that you already know about this person? What do we need to know? And is that client feedback filling in that gap? Or is it just reinforcing what this person probably is already strong at and, and may actually be a, in, in, in some ways a red flag that this person's really strong at this thing, but maybe lacking in another area? Yeah. I think um, to go back to like the core members, I think what you were saying of like getting that unsolicited feedback, where I see the, the phrase that I hear oftentimes where I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to put less weight into this candidate is like the, what's the deal with that guy? <laughs> now, I've heard that on multiple occasions yeah. where you're like, what's the deal? What do you mean? What's the deal? Like where he's shadowing us, you know, like there's already this barrier and they don't understand why it exists. <laughs> But they're like, yeah, what's with this cat over here? And I'm like, well, yeah, we were like really considering him. And now all the wind's out of my sails with this yeah. person that I invested in because they're clearly not doing something for our members that I need them to do, no matter what it is. So I think in any way, shape or form, making yourself stand out because Josh, this is where Josh is a great example. I think we put him under... From a coach's standpoint, we were probably the most guarded and our membership kind of oversold him to us once we let him mm -hmm. in the doors because even when he was just a drop in here, he was making impressions on even our personal training clients. You know, like this yeah. guy said hi to me. This guy, no one says hi to me. Mm -hmm. And this guy said hi to me because I'm usually in a one-on-one -on -one session with so-and-so. So they kind of leave me alone and he's talking to me about Michigan. And you know, like they're just, he would find ways to connect with people who didn't feel as connected to the group class experience and he wasn't their personal trainer. So I think that spoke volumes about him helping himself stand out when we were like so intently like scrutinizing him over being a games athlete, being invested in CrossFit and like, you know, is he going to fit our brand? Is he going to fit our modality? Is he going to buy into what we're, we're putting out there for our members? none of that mattered to anybody like we thought it did because it mattered so much to us it just mattered how they were he was making them feel yeah and if you're on the hiring side i think this really speaks to like intentionally letting your hiring process drag out so you can accumulate more of this member feedback and then also we haven't stated it yet i think it's really important to understand like who who are your members giving that feedback because I think we still, all of us have members in the gym that might be the squeakiest wheel that may not be the most ideal member, but are also the first or loudest to give that feedback. So you want to make your judgments based on feedback you get from your, your most ideal clients, right? Who are the people that you look forward to the most, seeing the most, coaching the most, 
the people when you have them in class, it just like it's that you know breath of fresh air, that sense of relief. Um, you know, usually these these members are gonna be the ones that don't ever complain about price, right? These might be even your highest paying members that might pay for auxiliary services. These are the types of people that you want to weigh their feedback the most and not get stuck in the weeds too yeah. much. They're they're the ones creating referral business, raving fans. They're they're the ones that are, you know, showing up every day and and welcoming other people into class too. Like being that anchor person in you know an eight fifteen that's really built up in our gym and really like solidified. They're the ones who come out of their partner group to welcome that person when they don't have a partner and say like, hey, join our team, you know, like to make that person feel like they're a part of that class and camaraderie. I think that's the person that you listen to the most for sure. Yeah. I was going to add one thing that um, another, another thing I feel like would put a big red flag on someone is when I sit down with them or have my one-on-one conversation with them, which I'm, I'm a big part of the hiring process, is hearing what they have to say about the situation that they're currently in and then why they want out of that situation. So if they're at a gym, like why, why do you want to come to our gym instead of staying at your gym? Like what's, what's happening there? And then their answers dictate like a lot of how I'm going to feel about that. Like you can tell a lot about like if they're going to point blame or, you know, make excuses for certain situations based off of a lot of these answers. So if it's like, well, the owner did this, the owner was doing this, and it's like, <laughs> so you, you never played a role in any of this, like, you know. I would rather have the person that's like, honestly, I love the gym I'm at, I wish I could stay and make a career working there, I just, I just don't think there's an opportunity for that to happen. Then someone say, it was, it's so bad, their programming's bad, the gym's bad, this is bad, because then yeah. it's like, it, you're always going to find something that's bad, and not that... You know that's the end of the world always I, I do think we should strive to get better and better but you can just imagine what's gonna happen when they do get settled in here because at first it's like you know you walk in this place you're like oh geez like nothing could be wrong with this thing right mm -hmm. and then as you know give them six months I have a feeling those same things are probably gonna start yeah. squeaking out a little bit um, if anything were to turn in a direction they didn't see it or whatever it may be yeah I always try to get specific when that stuff comes up of of okay, we, we got an issue. Cool. How, what have you done to address that issue? You know, hey, the owner the owner uh, won't give me any opportunity any other opportunities to make more money. It's classes or nothing else. Okay, great. Like, how did you? How have you talked about that? How have you tried to present new opportunities, growth opportunities for yourself? How have you tried to create like a shared vision for you guys? And and oftentimes those conversations haven't happened with this client or this coach who's in this more like grass is greener and I just got to get out of my current situation. Yeah, I'm sure there, there are plenty of opportunities, especially at like smaller CrossFit boxes or, you know, startup functional fitness gyms that, you know, they didn't have the best ownership. They really did. They weren't dealt a great set of cards to begin with, or they did have a underdeveloped staff that they were the head coach of and didn't really feel in control of. But the language surrounding that is the biggest part. Yeah. The way that they talk about that experience and the way that they you know, are, are either grateful or ungrateful for the things that they've gone through to get where they are, I think is a big thing for me of, you know, of like, yeah, I, you know, I had this team and they were all like 16, 17, 18, and I you know, tried to put them through this course or tried to do this course, but you know, I wasn't really given a budget and I can't afford to put them through it on my own. 
and I didn't really know what else to do. Or, you know, like being honest and being humble about taking ownership in your yeah. part of why that team wasn't developed needs to be there too. Or I, that's just a hypothetical scenario, but I think it's really the, the way that you speak about things and how much ownership you take over your part in scenarios being bad mm -hmm. is what I really have to hear about it because that leaves the door open for, well, is this candidate that magnet for drama that they're the ones creating the chaos or creating the scenario at every gym they've been at? And we've seen that or heard that through candidates who have come in and we're just listening to this laundry list of gyms they've worked for mm -hmm. and it's like, well, I realize this could be the scenario where six different gyms had all of these problems, but likely your part in this is big and it will create problems here too. And even if it's true, you can tell where that person's focus tends to go. Yeah. And the way that they, again, you brought up the way they talk about it, is that going to serve any problem that we then face as a team once they're on board? And it's like, if that language is not proactive it doesn't matter how true their previous situation was maybe they're even underselling it but if that language is is spoken in a way that's not taking ownership it's not proactive towards the solution it, you know and it's not recognizing what part they had or what good came out about from this situation then yeah it's a pretty much a dead end yeah i was going to add on that actually both your points like they almost like a cultivate a problem like they almost like need a problem mm -hmm. and then they, they'll point the blame at like the owner which is the easy target right it's their business i always point at andrew well i do too but i, I mean for this podcast i'm trying not to um but the thing i'm trying to get at is you know i i hear this one a lot is like i can't make enough money um coaching there mm. and we talked about this in a podcast like a while back but it's like there's not many gym owners on this planet you would go to and be like I think I can make you more money. And they're like, no, nope, no, I don't want that. It's like, if, if you really wanted more money, if that was the only thing, then you would probably try to come up with something that would help create more money for the gym and for you in return. Yeah. And I just don't see an owner being saying no to that. I have heard a couple stories of like, I was trying to get PT clients and the gym owner didn't want PT clients yeah. or PT in the gym. I think that's a different scenario. Maybe you do need a new, a new facility to go to to actually yeah. make that happen. But for the most part, it's what you said earlier, I just don't think those conversations are happening. Um, and then because of that, they're creating an issue, they're pointing blame, and I just feel like that's probably gonna be an ongoing trend. Yeah, so I wanted to circle back to our, our original um, idea here, which is this like not being about others, not putting themselves out there, not building relationships, and I think sometimes it comes down to a confidence issue. So we had one coach that I want to bring back on the podcast to talk about his experience who we did not hire. He, he made it here for a visit. We did not hire him. And he since has thanked me multiple times for the feedback I'm, I gave him through that process and why we didn't hire him. And now I feel like he's actually made himself into a candidate who we would hire, but now he's in a, a really good spot with what he's doing. And what I think he lacked when he was here was a confidence to execute on the relationship building and the names and all that stuff. And, and I think that can really only come through repetition. So if you are a coach who is not strong in this area, 
this is your incentive to get strong before the opportunity comes where you need to be strong at it. Um, and it may be like, it may not even be a coaching position at all. I mean, I want to do a podcast eventually about how the skills we develop in a gym setting as coaches are so translatable to any position. Um, we'll talk about Austin's journey in another, another podcast, but it, it's these types of skills that if you can just acquire them and get really good, you become so valuable in our gym setting or really anywhere you go in life. I think it's really important to note, like, even though we're not in a leadership position, technically, like if you look at corporate world, you look at other places, we're not like, okay, we're not head coaches, coaching class, like everyone has a role in the gym. But when you're in charge of a class, you're a leader. Yeah. And you are like the alpha of the class. You're the director, you're leading the clock, you're telling people where to go, when to go there, what to do, when to do it. And if you don't have confidence to start a conversation with someone or you know, speak over the music or just interject your own natural personality, if it sounds scripted, if it sounds like you're just reading it from the whiteboard, we can literally get anyone to do that. And you have to have a certain level of confidence to when you're shadowing a class or you're co-coaching a class to be able to say like, oh, I don't want to step on your toes, but I'm going to take this, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to call out this time or I'm going to, you know, give them these tips and turn the music down and say something. If you don't put that out there, you're not, you're not going to look like the leader that we need or we're not going to have the confidence that you will be able to execute that on your own and we don't need someone to be a co-coach. We need someone to be the leader of the class. So, you know, having that voice that stands out, that voice that, you know, can turn down the clock and, and yell something, even if Austin's the head coach of that class and you're just co-coaching it, like, you've got to put yourself out there. You have to put yourself in that space. And, and it takes a lot. It, 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 there's a hump to get over there, you know, so... If you're that person who thinks like, well, I'm just going to step on their toes or I didn't want to say something that was contradictory to what you said, put yourself out there. Even if it's backwards, even if it's 90 degrees from what, you know, he was going to say, you did something, you took a step and that's more admirable than being correct. Yeah. As long as you can pair that with the humbleness to take the feedback with that. Right. And that's, that's really key. But yeah, I think you're hundred percent right. Like we'd rather be someone be. Uh, put themselves out there a little bit too much than not enough as long as they're willing to you know accept the feedback that might come with that it's a lot easier to rein someone in or like tune them down than it is to like turn the volume up on someone you can't really make someone extroverted in that experience if they're just naturally introverted and and want to be you know the kind of guide on the side yeah so i think a lot of coaches get to that point in their own gyms so if you are a coach that ever gets a chance to do this, it's like, who am I to that, that 8 a.m. class that I coach every single day? Who am I to them? How can I get as close to that with a brand new group that I've never met right from day one? Even though I've coached the same group for six months, two years, five years at my current gym, how can I get 70% of the way there with this brand new group that I'm coaching for the very first time and not wait till six months down the road to develop this type of relationship and rapport. And, and that, that's really what we're trying to chase. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I think um, to your point of like needing reps, like confidence needing reps, 
I think the place that even younger coaches, if you're at your first coaching job and all you do is coach group and you don't coach PT, I think getting out there with new clients on day one gives you that instant rep with one individual athlete of, hey, I just learned some things about you. I hardly know anything about you, but I'm going to coach you in your fundamentals. And then you told me that you have a two-year-old to pick up and we're deadlifting today. And I want to relate this to how you're going to lift that child and then make sure that what I'm doing today doesn't set you set you back so you're sitting on the couch and can't lift them later like you know just making connections and making those little things and saying I know something about you on day one gives you the confidence to be like okay I learned something I executed I related and the next person that I do that I that I get a personal training client I've got that confidence to all right, I'm going to take something about this person. They're an athlete and they have sport-specific goals. How am I going to relate this to them? Or, you know, they're a grandfather and they're just post-knee surgery and just trying to sit and stand. How am I going to relate stuff to them? And getting out there with multiple types of people in those very fast-forming relationships, if all you do is the 815 and you have coached that for a couple of years but you've not done anything really new, get yourself into those situations and get those reps on a smaller scale. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say is um, the element that's really intangible that we look for is that coach being missable. That coach, like when they leave, because we generally do not hire people on the spot, even if we are very likely to hire them, when they leave, is, this their, is there a feeling of, oh wow, like I miss this person. I want them back. and and you'll get that feeling from certain members, you'll get that feeling from other coaches, you'll get that feeling from yourself of like, oh wow, like the, the, it feels like there's a loss, a sense of loss if this person did not come back. And I think from the coach's standpoint, it's like, how can I actually enjoy myself? How can I actually have fun on this, in this scenario? Um, yes, I'm trying to put my best foot forward and trying to impress and check all these boxes that we've mentioned, but if I can have fun and genuinely enjoy the people around me, they're gonna have the same, same experience with me and there's gonna be this missability factor. Yeah, I, I said earlier like, the coaches didn't matter in a sense compared to the members, but they matter just as much too, just in a much different way. Like, to me, you don't need to show off your mm -hmm. capabilities to the coaches, you do that on the floor. But what I do wanna see is like, our coach is going to want to hang out with you outside of class. Not that you have to, um, but we take our people like when they come to lunch and things like that. And it's like, is it awkward? Am I having to like force that conversation? And like, do I even want to be at lunch at this, this point? And if it's like, you know, we're having a good time, we're laughing, we're cracking up. Um, we already brought him up, so I'll bring up Josh again. We took him to coffee. It was supposed to be like 30 minutes with Jack and I. I think we were there for like two hours because we were like, oh man, it's just another one of us. Like, awesome. And that that does go a long way too. And if you compare that with the on the floor member feedback that we received too, like, I mean, it's hard to beat that. We didn't have to miss Josh. He never left. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> he actually never went home and we made him just ship his stuff here. So that's the ultimate level of being missable, I think, of like, we're not going to miss you. You have to stay and ship your stuff here. But we have had those coaches where I think, I think the biggest thing for me is hearing the members it's not the conversation of like oh did, are you what do you guys decide about what's his face it's yeah. <laughs> hey is josh gonna coach here you know like they're asking they're using his name because he made an impact on them and 
they're already like invested in their process too of like, oh, you know, are you hiring them? Like what's going on? And it's not like a, oh, whatever happened to that guy? So if they're mm -hmm. gone and your members are like not asking at all or they're asking questions, they're like, they don't remember their name or it's what's the bearded person <laughs> like that you had around here? What happened to that? Then it's a non-factor. Was the bearded person Austin? <laughs> I don't remember any bearded person that we went to go hire, so I used a beard. No, actually, in my hiring process, Nikki, Andrew's wife, told me I was hired, but Andrew didn't tell me I was hired, <laughs> <laughs> which is the best story ever. Actually, it was my son, Cooper, that yeah, told me. Yeah, Cooper. That's actually a funny story. I'll save that for later, how I got married to my husband via my niece. <laughs> Went over the niece. You gotta get married to me. You are kind of a redneck. You're gonna break so that her makes heart. Sense if you're married, <laughs> that fits, yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap up there. Thanks for joining, guys. We'll see you in the next one.